Yo, 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 what's good? What's good? It's your boy S. Foster back for another episode of 28 Minutes or Less. And this is episode 105 of the podcast. And today, I don't, this, this is just really, number one, it's one of those spur of the moment type things, right? That's number one. But number two, the subject matter is more of a theory that I would call. Um, and that subject matter today is dreams, right? Now, hear me out. I know I'm not a neurologist or anything like that, but I think that the brain is something that's very, very fascinating, right? Like we had a whole like brain conversation, me and Scoots Brunson on The Viewers Anonymous when we did the movie Lazarus Effect. And so we started going down this whole rabbit hole of like how the brain works when it comes to medicine as far as dopamine, all that type stuff. Like we went down, we went down the whole wormhole of that. So if you want to hear the conversation, you can go listen to The Lazarus Effect on The Viewers Anonymous. But I think it's a very fascinating thing and I have a bunch of theories that are going to, that I am going to use to kind of try to, you know, prove my own theory to see if I can get anyone to believe any of this shit that I'm saying. Cause this is all S. Foster's brain. Like it works in very mysterious ways. But I think that when it comes to dreams, like it's, it's a very fascinating thing. I mean, I'm pretty sure that, you know, when you hear you know, me speak about dreams, you know, you automatically start thinking about yourself and like dreams that either reoccur in your brain, you don't really understand why you keep having maybe this dream or the same dreams or whatever, whatnot. And I think all of it really kind of fits your personality, but I think there's a whole bunch of different variables that go along with that, right? I remember speaking on, I did the history of horror on this podcast, right? And I was just saying like my personal history of horror and I was, um, I was also speaking, and my friend Casey, he had reached out to me after that podcast. He was like, yo, like, you weird as fuck, because I said on that podcast that I would, I would actually like nightmares. Like, when, the, when I'm in, like, a very scary situation, I would actually be happy about it. Because I have, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, that it stays this way, I, I, I have the ability to wake myself up, like, I have the ability to know that I'm actually in a dream. And so it's like, as scary as a dream would get, the more that, you know what I'm saying, my blood starts pumping and I start to enjoy it. I'm a very huge horror person. You know, um, obviously they don't make horror movies like they used to, they're not as good anymore. You know, I think that the prime time, in my opinion, for horrors was the 70s and 80s, you know, some of the 90s, uh, mid 90s, but that type of stuff I would like. But also within a dream, like I've had a reoccurring dream where I'm like running from a lion. And I know, I know I told my Achilles some years back and I don't have the speed that I used to, but in the dream, it always feel like I'm running slow as fuck. And I never can understand that. It's like, yo, I know I can run faster than this. And it's like, the harder and harder I try to run, 
it seems like this, like my feet got sand in them. It's like I just can't move as fast as I want and I never can get away from it. And as soon as it starts to close in on me, that's when I wake up. So the whole theory of like dreams, like you know the whole thing of like, if you're falling in your dream, like dog. And the thing about that is, I need to talk to the person who actually hit the ground and died. Like, you know, that whole theory of if you're falling in a dream and if, we, if you hit the pavement, you actually die in real life. I need to talk to the person who was having that dream and hit the pavement and died. Because how the hell did they tell us that theory? Because obviously they're dead. So I don't necessarily know if that's true. I've had a dream while I was falling and I did wake up before I hit the ground. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I hit the ground and I wake up and I'm, you know what I'm saying? So for instance, I had a dream. I'll never forget this dream. I was like 13, 14 years old and I'm playing baseball. I've never played baseball a day in my life. Like we used to play like pickup back in the day, like when I was like 10, 11, something like that. But it was never like organized like baseball. I never played organized baseball. So I'm a pitcher and I'm at the mound, you know, I do my roundup and I throw. And when I tell you my man hit the ball and it came directly to my face, to the point where I, I, I literally jumped out of the bed and like a light flashed and like, went, like, and like I felt, it wasn't necessarily like a pain in my face, but it was like, it was, it was very weird. It was more like a, like a numbing type of feeling where it was just like, I actually felt like I got hit in the face by that baseball. So dreams are, are very, very complicated. And I, I don't even really know if neurologists can really speak about it. Like we've seen a lot of movies that are dealing with dreams. You know, like we hear the whole theory of, you know, one of my favorite movies, a top five movie for me, is Inception. And like the whole theory of Inception is very dope for me. And like, and like, see, that's the type of things that intrigue me. Like, I've seen tons and tons and tons of movies. But like, when it comes to something like Inception, the whole thing of like, you put yourself down and then they're going in there and they're actually changing things. And the whole thing was like, they needed to plant a seed in this one dude's head to change the way that he viewed things so he would split up his business in a certain type of way because he felt that him and his dad had this very bad relationship and they wanted him to think that his dad didn't have like that one like a very bad relationship with him so like the whole theory of like okay you go down for you know five minutes that was actually like an hour or some shit like that, because dreams always seem to feel longer than they actually are. And that theory have, might have been proven, but that's just the feel that you have because, and another thing about something that they threw in Inception is, when you're in a dream, you always, you're always in the middle, right? They explained it in Inception when he was sitting there, when Leonardo DiCaprio was sitting there talking to, at the time, Ellen Page, but now Elliot Page, and they're sitting at this place. And he was like, yo, how did we get here? She was like, we came from 
And she was like, I can't remember. He was like, that's the way a dream works. When, like, when you win a dream, it's always in the middle. You never know how you got there, but you don't really, you can't really control the finish either. And they would go into a dream to be able to give each other, you know, an hour worth of information in like five minutes. So they would actually go into dreams and go over plans and all that type shit for the big plan that they had to do with the one dude. Like they would go into dreams and they would do it. But see, the thing is, dreams are so tricky because sometimes you remember them and sometimes you don't. Some of them are more vivid than others. And it's just like, that goes back to the brain conversation where you can't really explain why you're able to remember certain things from dreams, but also like certain things from like your childhood or things like that. It's like, you can't pick and choose the things that you want to remember. For instance, I have another dream that I can still see as vividly to this day. And this is going to take me into another conversation. It's also going to take me into this one movie that I had watched back in the day that I also spoke about a little bit with Uncle Washington on the uh, Stolen Time podcast. Rest in peace to my guy. So I had a dream. Um, I was... I was in high school and I was in this like not necessarily I mean it's kind of like a studio apartment but it, it, it wasn't like a great apartment and it was in New York City and I've never been in New York and I remember being in this little apartment and I was with a girl never met her before a day in my life but in the dream like I like knew her like intimately like I knew her knew her and the dream was so vivid to where I could smell the city I could I could hear cars horns blowing people talking like just 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 voices I just hear voices and I remember looking out the window and seeing the fire escape and then looking down and seeing a whole bunch of yellow cabs. And it felt so real. And I still can remember this dream from when I was a teenager. And I, I can't, it, it's something that I can't explain and I don't know if people who actually study the brains can explain that, but that also takes me into the, the conversation of reincarnation, right? Because I'm pretty sure we all experience this where you've been in a dream and you're with a person like, and that's another thing that you really can't control is the fact of like, you may dream about someone that you know, someone that you work with, an ex, whatever the situation may be, but you also have these dreams where people you never met a day in your life, but you know them. like know them know them and it's a very tough thing to explain and that really kind of takes me down that wormhole of like I wonder is this a reincarnation type of situation where this person is someone that you knew in a previous life that apartment that I was in in New York that may have been an apartment of the previous person before me type of thing. It's like, it's, it's something that really can't explain how real a situation like that feels. So there's a movie 
um, came out some years back called, um, I think it was The Prodigy. It was called The Prodigy. And the start of the movie was so fascinating. Never seen nothing like this a day in my life. So there's a woman um, that's pregnant. So they're going back and forth from a woman that is pregnant and her water breaks. So they're going back and forth with this other guy who he has this girl like tied up and you can tell he about to do some sick shit to this girl. She escapes and you see the police is closing in on dude. Now, like I said, they're going back and forth with this pregnant lady. Now she's going into the hospital. You know, she's on the table. She's getting ready to have the baby. The police is, uh, go back. The police is closing in on this dude. Dude is standing there. Um, if I remember correctly, he like raises a knife or a gun that don't have no bullets in it. It was somewhere in that in that realm because he wanted the cops to, to shoot him. And when the police shot him, they shot him like maybe like five times in like the chest area, right? So at the same time, the lady delivers her baby. The greatest thing about it was where the, the places where my man got shot in his chest and stomach area, there are like five blood spots on that newborn baby's chest and stomach. Indicating that that person, that grown man soul that got shot by the police that was kidnapping these girls, his soul transferred into that baby. So now it's called a prodigy because the boy was extremely smart and it was because he was a grown ass man in a child's body. And the premise of the movie is the way that reincarnation worked in that movie was the last thing that they was working on, they had to complete that and their soul will basically go to rest, right? So it had to be done in a certain timely manner. Another, um, another example from that movie because the lady was like, she couldn't figure out cause like the, her son had like beat this kid up with a stapler or some shit, a hammer or something at school. So she's trying to figure out what's going on with him. Like, yeah, we know he's extremely smart. He's very gifted, but like he does some off the wall shit. So she takes him somewhere. And so this, this, uh, this doctor's like, do you believe in reincarnation? So he told a story of there was this, uh, this Little boy, I believe, little boy, little girl, um, kept talking about this some city that they never been to a day in their life. And they was talking about how they had an older brother, or, you know, they didn't have no siblings, right? And, but they were talking about how they had this brother, this sister, and, and they just needed to tell their mother something and blah, 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 and all this type of stuff. So they said that, you know, the, the child kept saying it, saying it, saying it. So they actually took him to the place where they wanted to go. So he goes and speaks with, this, uh, with the person that they had claimed to be their parent. And then like, but the parent was sick. And then the parent ended up dying. And then that soul from that previous person went away and now it was actually their child. Well, this, the, the guy that was kidnapping the girls, his whole thing was the girl that got away 
he needed to kill her by a certain time. And the way that the movie ended, if I'm not mistaken, it was a situation where he had the girl and the girl, I can't, I can't remember if she escaped. I think she might have escaped again. And then that guy's soul was trapped into that boy. And like, that's how that movie basically kind of went. And I thought that that was a, a great premise for a movie is because we can't really explain how we know these people in our dreams. Like how do they seem and feel so familiar? And so I'm not saying that I necessarily believe in reincarnation, but there are things in this world that we would never, I was talking to Scoots Bronson about this the other day, there's things that we will never be able to understand and things that we won't be able to figure out because I think that there's, I mean, for instance, the bottom of the ocean, we would never know what the fuck is down there. Like we sitting here trying to figure out space and we're trying to figure out Mars and if we can actually live on Mars when we are on a planet that we have a lot of undiscovered shit because we don't know because of the pressure down there we don't know what's going on down there so that's a whole nother thing for a whole nother day but this is why a movie like a series like Nightmare on Elm Street this is what takes this to the next level so Wes Craven um, I can't remember the country. I, it might have been Indonesia, possibly. But so in the late 70s, maybe early 80s, because the first Nightmare on Elm Street came out in 1984. Wes Craven was uh, reading about that there were people who were dying in their sleep. Now, I know you're thinking, oh, that's probably regular, right? Well, these people were young people. There wasn't old people. And they was doing autopsies on these people and they were dying from natural causes. And they was like, yo, this person's only 25 years old. This person's only 17 years old. Like, like how are these people dying? And so someone came up with a theory that they were, they were dying in their dreams. And they just couldn't really figure it out. I think they just kind of came up with a, a theory because they really couldn't explain what was going on. And this is a real thing. Like, you can look it up. Like, I can't remember which country it actually was. <clears throat> but it was in the late 70s, early 80s, where people from another country, I believe it was Indonesia. I should have looked it up. But anyway, so Wes Craven was hearing about that. And he came up with the idea of Freddy. You know what I'm saying? Freddy Krueger. And well, he was just like, I am going to, you know, focus in on a group of teenagers and this guy is going to be able to kill. If he kills them in their dreams, they actually die in real life. That's where he got that idea from. So the thing with Freddy, especially the first one, now when it comes to the very first Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984, that's one of the scariest movies of all time. Like like scary scary like horrifying because the whole concept of first of all you got to understand i'm a huge element of surprise guy when there's something as as in the fact of like being the first of its kind the first time you ever heard or seen anything like it 
that's what makes Nightmare on Street so scary and so monumental because we never seen nothing like it before. And even the way that they started it, because what made Freddy so scary was the fact that like you cannot sleep. I mean, you cannot stay awake, excuse me. You have to sleep. I don't give a fuck what you do. There's something that you have to do. You cannot function without enough rest. And at the time, you couldn't stop yourself from dreaming. Now, once they got to the fact of like, uh, Freddy vs. Jason, like it, it changed where, you know, there, there were these pills that could stop you from dreaming basically. But we're talking 1984. So it's like, that's what made it so scary. The whole concept of Freddy was so fucking scary in that, in that movie. Because, okay, this is why I am keep saying this. To me, the only really good ones was the very first one and New Nightmare that came out like 98 or some shit like that. 90, yeah, somewhere around there. The, the ones in the middle, two, three, four, five, like, it, like he turned into a comedic character. And it just, it wasn't scary. Not that the movies were terrible, but they just wasn't scary to me. But that first one, it was so scary and the way that they came out the box with it was so dope. And that whole concept of being killed in your dreams and you actually dying in real life, that really changed the industry. I mean, for number one, it literally changed the industry. Wes Craven with the Nightmare on Elm Street created New Line Cinema for the people who don't know that. New Line Cinema was not a household name in 1984. Like, for number one, people didn't think that this movie was even really gonna be anything. That's number one. They didn't think that this movie was gonna capture people the way that it did. And then at the time, Wes Craven wasn't a proven, proven director at the time. I mean, the only project that he was, um, that caught some fire that he was involved in was the very first uh, uh, Friday the 13th, where he even shot like a, uh, a couple of days because Sean Cunningham got into an argument with the people about getting more money, so he didn't show up to shoot. So Wes Craven shot a few, um, shot a few days, you know, while he was gone or whatever, or whatnot. But like that was one of the projects that he was involved in that really kind of, you know, people like, oh, well, you know what I'm saying? You helped out with this movie, you're doing another horror movie, you know, we'll give you a shot. New thing, so they gave Wes Craven his lane. And that's why, you know, with his affiliation with Friday the 13th, you know, that's why, you know, we seen a Freddy vs. Jason. That's why we didn't see, you know, uh, Freddy vs. Michael Myers and all those other little battles that, you know, people like me would love to see. The reason it was Freddy and the reason it was Jason is because, you know, the Sean Cunningham relationship that Wes Craven had and all that type shit. But yeah, I, I think that the way that dreams tend to work and how Freddy came out, that shit was super scary. I mean, extremely scary. And so then it have you, and what also fucked it up for like, people who are, you know, hy hypochondriacs and stuff like that.
who really freaks, you know, freak out about like their dreams. To see, you know, a person like Freddie to be able to do the things that he's able to do, it's like, you know, it, it makes everything extremely more scary than it actually is. So I just believe that my theory on dreams are theories that I kind of like already had, but then when you take the reality of like some of these movies, you know, that I mentioned as far as Inception, um, when you take the whole, uh, the approach of reincarnation with the movie like uh, 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 The Prodigy, and then you also take in account um, dang, I just said it, Nightmare on Elm Street. And the way that our minds work, and like I said, I'm not a neurologist, not saying that I know how the brain tissues work and how we're able to, cause like I'm a person who's able to, it's, it, I really have selective memory. If you listen to this podcast, I can go through certain movies like it ain't nothing. Like I can watch a movie a year ago or even really longer than that. Like if I wanted to, like The Prodigy, I haven't seen that movie in years, like two or three years. And I was able to give you that rundown like I was able to do. But if you called me a week ago and tried to have a conversation with me and asked me about something, I would completely forget it. Like I have to have a certain routine in the mornings. And if someone interrupt what I'm doing, I can forget something that quick. I have forgotten my wallet at home multiple times where I'm on the interstate and have to turn around and come back and come get my wallet because something threw me off that morning and I forgot it. But I'm able to come on this podcast and give you insight on certain movies or certain songs or whatever the case may be. And I'm able to, you know what I'm saying, do that shit with no problem. So the brain works in very mysterious ways, man. And it's a very interesting thing to deal with because depending on how your dreams are and the things that you're able to remember is it's, it's really remarkable. It's a remarkable thing. And I wish I had the answers, but I don't think anyone has the answers. I think that people who study the brain, I think they give us answers, but I think that they really, really don't know. I think that they come up with their own thesis of like, all right, this is what we're gonna tell the people because think about it. A lot of the things that we claim that we know, we was told by a person that we don't even know if we really could trust them or not. We don't know what their alternative motives are, but we take their word and we just kind of run with it. And we all have a tendency to do those type things. I admit, I do the same thing. I don't know if I could trust this person to actually you know, tell me the things that they're telling me and I actually believe them. You know what I'm saying? Like the trust that we tend to put into people, like we don't really know, especially like scientists and neurologists and all this type of shit like that. Like we, we put our trust in these people because we proclaim them to be very smart people. But I don't know if any of us really knows. Like I'm just really going off of my own theory and the things that I've seen that even though these movies aren't real life, there aren't things that are proven to be true or any of that type stuff. It's just, to me, some of the stuff makes sense. And 
I think that when we are dealing with our own dreams and we can't really figure out of like, and like, like that's why I say like, if, if, if someone was to be like, like if your significant other came up to you and was like, yo, I had a dream about such and such. I don't know if it's necessarily like, oh, oh, let me guess you're thinking about them or you want to do this or do that. I don't think it works like that. I just think that the way that your brain is and your sound waves and all this type of shit, like, you know what I'm saying? For instance, like I had a dream of a guy that we used to be, we used to be really tight because we worked together, but you know, since we don't work together, we don't really, you know what I'm saying? Like me and him haven't really spoken. Like we interact time to time on like social media and like shit like that, like little jokey stuff, you know, about football or whatever the case may be. But like he was in my dream one day, ain't talked to him, ain't thought about him, nothing like that. But it's just like, I don't think that we really can control it. So I think that it's not an insulting thing if your significant other have a dream about, you know, an ex or another guy or another girl or whatever the case may be. I just think that it's one of those things that you just can't really can't control. And then at the same time, with that being said, like these people that occur in your dreams that you may not know, but in the dream you know them, it's just kind of like, all right, like, it's just someone in a, from a previous life. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, the great Erica Badu, right? Which is hilarious. I, I was listening to someone talk about uh, the song, uh, Next Lifetime, one of her hits, man. And she was like, you know, maybe when we were butterflies or whatever the case may be. And it's just like, I wonder, another theory, is that another life? You know what I'm saying? Like, really think about it for a second. Like, let's say that there's a person that you really like, whether you're in a relationship or not, whatever, just a person that, that you feel it, and you have a dream about this person, right? And y'all can't be together for multiple reasons, whatever the reasons may be, but like, is that another life? Is your dream another life? Now, you may dream about, listen, I dream about fucking delivering FedEx packages all the goddamn time. The shit bums me out because it's like, yo, I work all the damn time and I go home, I go to bed and I dream about damn working. Does that happen? Yes. That happens as well. But even when I have dreams about delivering packages, it don't be the route that I actually run. It'd be places, sometimes it'd be places I've never even fucking been before. So is your dream another lifetime? That's what I'm saying. It's things that I feel that just can't be explained. And I think that what movies are able to provide, especially someone like me, it gives me that escape. That's why I do The Viewers Anonymous. That's why I also, which, you know, I try to be careful with some of the things that I do over here because, and now granted, this podcast existed before The Viewers Anonymous. Now this podcast, y'all know it goes in and out. You know, it, it, it's mostly films, mostly TV shows, but you know, I, I dab some music in there. You know, the, like the last episode, you know, um, I, I went into the whole takeoff situation. You know, I've done the episode where the, where the Dave Chappelle situation and I got into fans and how fans can be fucking ridiculous. 
So, I mean, like this podcast goes into a lot of different avenues, but like the Viewers Anonymous is strictly a TV, um, movie, review podcast where we do appreciation episodes on actors or producers or directors, and we do, you know, a doc a month. And this podcast is really all over the place, but with that being said, I, I, I think that's one of the things that's great about this podcast is because I can I can tackle anything that I want to tackle at any time. And what movies are able to provide for someone like me is 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 able to make something click in my brain to where like when I'm watching a movie, I, I don't think I necessarily watch movies the same way as most people. I think a lot of people watch movies to be entertained, to escape for an hour and a half, whatever the case may be. I think the way that I'm entertained when I'm watching certain movies, it really makes, that's why I like movies that actually make me think a little bit. Like doing like the Lazarus Effect. When you think about the type of movie that that movie is, it's a horror movie where these scientists were trying to they were trying to give surgeons like a second chance at trying to bring someone back if they die. So they was testing on animals. They was able to bring an animal back. And then um, the scientist's uh, fiance died and he brought her back, ignoring all the signs that the person that you're bringing back might not be the same. Kind of like uh, Pet Cemetery. I, I, I mentioned that on the podcast where I was like, yo, Pet Cemetery is a situation where they buried them, then they came back as something evil. She came back as something evil. So we're talking about a movie like this, right? And we went into a whole brain conversation, right? That's what movies tend to do for, things, for someone like me. Like when I watch Inception, as great as Inception is, the whole premise of the movie, like it's an action movie where someone is trying to plant a seed in someone's head so he can go home, basically. I mean, that's like really the synopsis of the movie, but what, what stood out to me is what they were able to do when they were dreaming. Like he was able to build these architecture towns and cities and all of these different levels, like all of that stuff really fascinated me. It's like, yo, what if I could go into my dream and I can really build a city or I can really complete a mission or whatever the case may be because the, the great thing about Inception was how they was able to improvise in their dreams, how they're able to imagine something and actually build it while they're walking. To me, that was like, it really like blew my mind. So that's one of those things that really, really make that movie great. But at the end of the day, I don't believe it's anything that, I don't think even people who study the brain can really explain our dreams. I mean, it was something that I just really wanted to get off my chest because I think it's a fascinating thing to think about. And I think that um, for some people who may hear this, they may go back and be like, yo, I have this recurring dream and I can't explain it. Like, I don't know. And then it's just like, there may be some dreams that you had in your past, in your childhood, that you're able to still remember to this day and you don't understand why. Like, we don't know why 
certain dreams tend to stick with us and follow us into adulthood. I don't know why I still can remember that dream while I got hit in the face with a baseball. I don't know why I can remember that dream from um, being in New York, actually smelling the city, hearing the city, visualizing the city, and I've never been to the city. Um, I keep having these reoccurring dreams where I'm running from a lion. Now, I've had other dreams where I'm running from a tiger or I'm running from a dog or whatever the case may be, but the lion one really stands out. And I don't know why I can't get away from it. So I don't know why like those type things happen, but I think those are the things that are the, the unexplained things that we have to deal with within ourselves. I don't think I don't have a problem with it. Like it is what it is. I mean the only problem I got is why am I so damn slow in the dream? I don't get it. But I think dreams are super fascinating and um that's what really takes uh in closing, that's what really takes Nightmare on M Street to the next level. And I'm pretty sure there's some other dream movies out there. But um but to me, like those two, like those are those are top-notch dream movies. You know what I'm saying? Um, in my opinion. So, man, that's all I got today, man. I, I didn't want to go too long on that. I just had some theories that I wanted to get off my chest. But um, I appreciate all the support. I appreciate everybody listening. Um, go follow me at, at, at s.foster8 on Instagram and Twitter at 28 minutes or less pod, uh, pod. That is just on Instagram. Um, also go follow the Viewers Anonymous at ViewerNonPod. That's on IG and it's on Twitter. Uh, shout out to my guy Scooch Bronson I do that podcast with. Also shout out to uh, Casey. Um, the music that y'all hear is all done by my guy. Uh, so I appreciate him, man. Shout out to Siege, E. Carter, and JD uh, that we do 4-3 week. Go check out the 4-3. Um, it's all over the place, but I don't know if the visual, not, excuse me, the visuals are the places where you can really get it. Um, the 4-3 pod on Facebook, um, at 4-3, official 4-3 on Twitter. Yes, on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I got. I hope, I hope I was able to, you know, have a light bulb go off in your head as far as, uh, dreams. Let me know, man. Hit, hit me up, man. Either leave a review or, um, you know, hit me on some kind of social media just to say, man, you know, you got my um, you got my mind racing on certain things. I would appreciate that. But um, until the next time, man, this is it, man. Your boy, S. Foster, signing out. This was episode 105 of the 28 Minutes or Less, and I'm out.